Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists, with the privilege once again of recording on Wajak Noongar Often referred to as the tassel-twirling expert in Perth, today's guest has become synonymous with class, comedy and seduction. Having started performing in 2009, their star continues to rise with a roll of titles coming out, including Miss Burlesque Perth 2020, Burlesque Muse 2021 and Mixed Burlesque Australia's Most Innovative 2021. I'm so excited to have the magic meddler herself, Kitty Latura. How are you? Hello. I'm really, really good. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming in on your weekend and spending some time with me. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I just got to listen to that amazing um, uh, introduction there. That's you <laughs> making me blush over here. Sitting there. Yeah, it's my favorite thing is to go through people's Instagram bios and just uh, steal everything and then say it back to you as if I came up with it myself. <laughs> Um, so we only have one question that kicks off everything, which for you, of course, is why burlesque? Ah, oh, why burlesque? That's such a big and great question. I think because I would be unbearable without it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> okay. All right. Tell me why you would be unbearable without it. Oh, no, it's just, um, it's such a beautiful space to be in. Speaking as someone who has spent a long time and is still spending a lot of time figuring out who they are and what they do, mm. having such a beautiful space to create and explore um, and give license to do a lot of the things that you wouldn't necessarily get the chance to do outside of that. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's that touch of um, like fantasy and glamour and fun and escapism and creativity, okay. all those wonderful things that I don't know where they'd sit in my life without having burlesque in it. Yeah, and you think that that's maybe like something that took you in down the burlesque path rather than picking a different art form? Yeah, look, she used to buy all the costumes um, and just have nothing to do with them. <laughs> um, like a real lingerie addict kind of thing, yep. all the corsets, like the shoes, the stockings, the heels, and I you know... I love that you said that. My first thought was like, you had a cupboard full of Halloween costumes and nowhere to wear them. <laughs> full of Halloween. Well, there was that as well, like the sailor thing and like um, Snow White, and like all those sorts of things. They were just sort of fun and, and fantasy and I needed a place for that to be. I got into it, i got to be honest, uh, a friend of mine took me along to my first class because she didn't want to go alone and I sort of thought, yeah, this is on. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to be here and feel uncomfortable for an hour and a half. Great. Oh, no, it was, it was fabulous. As soon as I walked in, I was just like, I, you know, I was like, these are my people. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So it clicked straight away. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Like I was like, love this, this, whatever this is about, this is it. I just got to be a more amplified version of myself or just a, 
a less filtered version of myself maybe. Yeah. Where I could be completely ridiculous and over the top and silly and all that sort of thing that didn't have a place anywhere else in my life that I could really just let that um, let that type, that part of my personality just be. Yeah. Um, you said that a couple of times now that there wasn't a place for all of this incredible energy outside of burlesque. Is that just, was that like just social conditioning or why, why weren't you putting this energy out in the world beforehand? I think, yeah, I just, I grew up as such a shy kid, mm. um, such a shy teenager. Um, like I always wanted to do drama at school, but yeah. I just couldn't work it up. Like I couldn't work up the courage to do it. And, you know, that kind of thing where you're you're running around Perth and, you know, you're the alternative, alternatively dressed <laughs> kid. Yes, and, yeah. You know, I used to do a lot of, um, I, yeah, I used to play a lot with fashion and that sort of thing. Um, but I used to do a lot of like bobby socks and mm. um, saddle shoes and. Cute. Um, yeah, just yeah. Blow, like, oh, the hair bows, I tell you. How many hair bows? Um, <laughs> tell me all about the hair bows. List every colour hair bow. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I had every colour under the sun. Um, huge ones, small ones, like yep. just everywhere. And you at a school where, like, you could express yourself through fashion or not? This is outside of schooling. Oh, yeah, certainly not, my friend. Um, the old Catholic education system mm. didn't do me well. Yep, kneel on the floor and let's make the sure the skirt touches the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, the whole thing, like, you know, no makeup, nothing. They make you go and, like, scrub your face, like, before um, before photo day. Mm. They'd walk up to you with a... Yeah, and they just, like, touch your face. And they just yeah. rub your face and, you know, as a self-conscious teenager... <laughs> having their photo taken yeah it's gonna live there forever you know with all that stuff going on and like not just the not just the outside that you know got bad skin and what that but all that inside mm, trying yeah. to figure yourself out and to have someone just like not nah, like yeah and at that point your year 10 photo it, like you've got this thought that it's like that's going to be the image that represents me for the rest of my life yeah <laughs> I mean you're incorrect but at, in that moment nothing could be more scary it yeah it's it's everything at that time and um, if you get a bad school photo and it's it's up there in the yearbook and mm. everyone keeps that bad boy and they sign it and, like, nightmare fuel. Um, yeah. I remember having um, – I'd just come out of a sports class because uh, I was also at um, a Catholic high school and my health and education teacher came up and, like, wiped my face with a makeup wipe and I was really, really shocked. Um, but she goes, like, oh, oh, you're not wearing blush. You're just red and sweaty. Mm. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know what's more humiliating, if I had been wearing blush or if I'm now I'm just the red, sweaty girl. You're red and sweaty. You're red and sweaty, yeah. You're red and sweaty. So outside of that that schooling, I suppose you sort of – you almost have to take up like fashion or take up a way to express yourself outside of it. And if you like couldn't do drama, then fashion makes perfect sense. Yeah, oh, and I, you know, I loved it. Um, I loved it and, I, you know, I studied it for a little bit after – school as well oh really yeah yeah not, how'd you find that not terribly successfully <laughs> but um we've got a couple of certificates in um like dressmaking and pattern making cool. and fashion and that sort of thing they would be really useful now right or not yeah so oh yeah yep definitely have come in handy with um with a lot of this stuff um but there are some brilliant costume makers around perth so um now i let the professionals mm. do their <laughs> professional things <Yep>. so well <laughs> um 
But yeah. Oh, it's it's so funny now I'm just thinking about this juxtaposition of like that kitty and this kitty. Yeah. Yeah, and that whole evolution thing like. So do you feel like it's because you had a few people compare it to like Pokemon evolution oh, throughout, the, <laughs> throughout the time. So you feel like there definitely have been like stages of kitty throughout the ages. ages. Throughout the ages. Throughout the ages, like it's been, you know, 4,000 years. <laughs> oh, look, she's had seasons. Um, she's had she's had her moments. Where did she begin? Like what was her first sort of? The first sort of level up, really. Mm. I think it would have been the first time I went to the Australian Burlesque Festival, actually. Yeah. And I was working, um, I, I went with a few other performers from Perth, so Agatha Frisky, Charlie DeBarkle, we sort of went over and the you East like the Coast. Sydney, sorry, the Sydney one or what, one of the touring? Oh, this was, we went to Melbourne. Right, yeah. Yeah, we went to Melbourne and sort of going over and seeing what the scene was like there when the Perth scene was quite different to how it is now. Yeah. And it was that first piece of like, yep, got to get this, got to do it. And I think that happened again for me competing the first time in um, mixed burlesque. In 2011. Was that competition incredibly different to the way that people see it now? Oh, yeah. Yeah? So yeah. tell us, a bit, like, paint us the picture of what that experience was like for you in 2011 versus, like, your time more recently in that scene. Ooh, painting the picture. <laughs> so it was a different competition. Yeah. And there were three different categories mm-hmm. as well as the gown parade that you had to compete in. Um, so gown parade was an interesting concept for me because I'm not a gown person. Yeah. You see me in a gown, just looks a little weird. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was the, there was no red carpet. It wasn't a costume. It was specifically a gown. Okay. So that first time I took that concept and I wanted to play with it a little bit. So instead of doing a gown, I, um, well, it was a gown. I had a crinoline uh, underneath, like a bird cage, nice. and I had little birds um all flying through it oh yeah so I made a little yeah I made a little bird cage moment so I came out with a skirt over it and then whipped that off and had a bird cage with a small bird cage beautiful yeah well just it just felt more me yeah and it was I was always a lot about uh things that are kind of like whimsical and Mm. things that are like concept based um I'm not a parade and peel kind of gal Mm. so for me coming out in like a sequin fishtail people would have been like who dat yeah 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 it would have been like you trying to be the concept rather than allowing the concept to just influence your character yeah that's really cool yep so um run the novices through so you have your three categories that's no your four categories that's um what they call it, gown parade? Gown parade. Yeah. So it kind of runs similar to the way a pageant would and then there are three performance aspects? Yes. Yes. So there was a traditional category mm-hmm. which was set up to be purely bump and grind, like golden yeah. age, big band, mm-hmm. bump, bump, bump. Then there was a neo mm-hmm. and then there was a section called unique. Okay. Where you had to do something completely unique. <laughs> come up with something no something no one's come up with before, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, especially for burlesque, which has been around for like how many, like 100 Forever. years? Yeah, you know, come, come up, up with, with something new. Reinvent that wheel, everybody. Uh, give us something fresh and yep. not seen before. So no, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it's a big concept to kind of get to. Um, but you can imagine the 
show itself was 10 performers, mm. uh, three acts each and a gown parade and yeah. guest performances. The original competitions went for hours. Like, Yeah, a lot of pageants do, especially if you want more than like one minute per category on stage. Yeah, it would take ages. Yeah, well, each act is kind of like four or five minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you were sitting around like it was great in terms of um, getting ready. <laughs> between the time, acts. yeah, but yeah, it was a long show for for everybody, and I don't mind. I don't mind saying it. it. The way it was run is that you did your first two categories, so you did your traditional bump and grind, and then you did your um, neo, mm-hmm. and then only five, only the top five competitors after that got through to do their unique. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's what they used to do. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah and okay. it it broke my heart the first time. To see everyone else getting ready and have um, like a producer or a stage manager just tap them on the shoulder and say, you can stop getting ready. Oh, ouch. Ouch. Yeah. And yeah, I had a cry (laughs) in between the the second and the third category Mm. before I went on for my last act. Um, And it's not, you know, it's a competition and, you know, we're all grown ups and everyone understands and Mm. and that sort of thing. I just... um, some things just just real kick me in the guts sometimes, and totally, that was that yeah. was one of them. Was that yes. first competition? Yeah, so. fully. So then, what was your unique? And then, like, because it was the is this the first time you'd participated in this pageant? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so my unique was a sixties go go strip using um, a twister board. So cool. yeah, so basically, I had a costume. Um, I had red bra, green bra blue by yellow yes. bra mm-hmm. and I had someone spin the wheel to see which colour I had to take off um, from underneath like a, a little shift dress kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it was quite, it was comedy based and it was, um, it was kind of a bit thrilling because I was like, you know, I had to remember where, like how I'd layered everything and like <laughs> yes. you can imagine trying to get that red pair of underwear off when there's two pairs on top of it. I was just thinking that it's, uh, you kind of wish it was a rigged board so, <laughs> so that you could um you could take it off in order but yeah. you wouldn't, yeah. Nah, not a rigged board. Um, so I had an audience member, I picked someone to come up and spin the wheel um, and I did that. <laughs> I love so, it. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, it was a bit chaos energy. Um, so but yeah, it was super, super fun and then I had the board rigged at the end to have um, – a to pull off so that all the dots were pink and then the last layer was pink so uh, there's yeah of course that one yeah I was like Yay. that you gotta yeah you gotta have that one yeah there's no chance like imagine if I got to the last layer of a, of a striptease and it was like blue and I'm like that is not what I'm wearing <laughs> I didn't bring uh paint <laughs> I'm not yeah all right sorry guys we're not going all the way today sorry guys <laughs> I guess that this is just it you don't get to see my tits which is what you're here for that's that's how the game goes <laughs> and so. it's over thank you so much for coming hmm. just thank our sponsors um yeah so if that's like evolution one yeah or like your first step up is like seeing ABF being super inspired getting to like perform on this huge stage for the first time um, having these incredible highs and these incredible lows all mixed into one. And then, like, what's the next? Constantly evolving. Like, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, after that, I started exploring different styles. So I used to do basically comedy in Borderville mm. and skit-based um, acts. And after that, I got more interested in doing the classic bump and grind and some teas and mm. some different pieces like that. Um, which 
always terrified me because I didn't see myself as like super sexy, like, and I didn't, I got to be honest, there's sometimes I see a classic and it's like, it's a hand, but there's no real, like, um, I like to call like lighting a fire under it. There's no real, like, um, tease. Yeah, it. see, for anyone who, obviously everyone else who couldn't see, that was the beautiful miming skills of like removing a glove incredibly slowly. Um, but I totally know what you're talking about because sometimes you can sit there and be like, oh, okay, so do you have to do glove, glove, hat, socks, stocking, tits? Is that the order? Like, what are the rules? Yeah. <laughs> you almost think that it becomes formulaic rather than like a tease, as you're saying. Exactly. And people are like, this is step one and this is step mm. two. Um, Which is great for classes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and that's, yeah, that's how you learn it and that's how we all do it. But to see someone perform it and to see someone like Agatha, um, Agatha Frisky is my go-to mm. when I talk about like a real classic that makes you understand why burlesque is such a, a tease and such yes. a seduction. Um, and the other one being like Bunny Galore, everything Bunny Galore does. Yeah. Um, but just real great sort of classics. And when you see that and then you go, Get it after yeah. that. So you don't want it to be become predictable. Yeah. Which is interesting considering that when you're going into this almost like transaction with the audience, it's like, well, they know that the end goal is to get all of your clothes off. And like you know that that's what's about to happen. And everybody's agreed that we're going to go from like fully clothed to naked in the next four and a half minutes, get ready. So how do you make something that is predictable because we all know what the ending is, exciting in the steps? And I think you're really, really good at that because I've had the pleasure of seeing like quite a few, quite a few um, of your performances and I'm always just gagged and giggling and having like the Aww. best of times. So thank you so much, by the way. You're <laughs> just making me like giggle and smile over here. That's my job. <laughs> you're very good at it. Um, I, I love to flip the script on something that's well known. So to either play so far into the trope that it becomes silly mm. or to completely change the concept of what it is. So one of the um, acts that I do is the Attack of the 50-Foot Woman where I have these feather fans um, which remain normal size while I grow in stature, um, <laughs> but effectively just these tiny little fans that the whole concept of a fan dance is to conceal and reveal and suddenly yeah. you have a, a prop that is completely useless because it's too small. Yeah, you can just sort of cover one areola at a time. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it takes that idea of um, what it's meant to be and mm. just lampoons it. Yeah. So it's just too small to do the thing it's meant to do um, but still doing all the big fan moves with it. And that's where a lot of that comedy sort of comes from with that act. Yeah, still treating the prop as if it is like those big giant fans. Like it's still doing the thing you're meant to be doing but people are like – I can see it all. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it all. But, um, yeah, like things like that I really, really love. And almost like there's reverse strips where people go the other way. Um, there's – I saw an amazing fan dance where they all had mustaches on. <laughs> so the, so the reveal when they're – yeah, they're sort of covering their faces and you're sort of thinking, oh, yeah, I know what a fan dance is and they come down mm-hmm. and got this mustache and you're just not expecting it. Yeah. I've seen it with a um, with a dildo as well, 
which was just like, ah, oh. <laughs> oh, right till the end. And then you get this big old <laughs> strap on it. And it's just, that's not what you're expecting. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Especially since, so how does that work with the idea of like censorship in burlesque? Because obviously when you're performing in different clubs, they're like, okay, you've got to be in a G string and at least two pasties on at all times because of our license or, or whatever the hell the rules are. So to suddenly had a strap on into it, it's like, well, technically this is fine because it's plastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some weird anomalies. There's also the um, absolutely fine male nipple versus the absolutely not fine female nipple. Totally. Because yeah. they're so different. Yep. They, yep. Totally different. Completely. I would never want to do something that's going to put a venue in jeopardy. Um, and that's, yeah. that's paramount to what we do. So mm. in terms of creating an act like that or bringing something to stage, you want to check um, in with the venue and check in with the producer as well. Mm. So having really great producers um, in Perth and in Australia and um, I've worked with some amazing producers, running it by them, talking to them about it, making sure that we're all on the same page yeah. because there's certain shows that we can run in certain venues mm. and not in others. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there would be different rules depending on where you're at, which is fine. Like, of course, no one is like saying that it's the, the venue's fault because – somehow their liquor licensing law has like a nudity clause attached to it, which is very funny just that they, they've done that at all. But it is like the rule in general that is quite strange when you're doing like a strip show or when you are doing things like you're having femme presenting nipples or mass presenting nipples and them having completely different laws over them, which like throws off a performance and stuff too. So mm. yeah, but that's unfortunately something that you've got to work with. Until you don't, which hopefully will happen at some point. <laughs> oh, I dream. I dream. I dream I for so the many. times of the nips. So many things I want to do. That um, just involve nipples everywhere? <laughs> just involve no costumes at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't that be easy to pack? You like get on the plane with your backpack and you're like, I'm ready for my show. <laughs> I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a show that um, I emcee in very little and knowing that I have an entire costume that fits in a Ziploc bag. Stunning. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's just like a scrunch and go. It doesn't need ironing. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I can put it in my pocket. That's so good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you end up being like, well, I came in with more clothes than I want to wear on stage. Yeah, I've come I've come over prepared here. <laughs> and especially the way uh, COVID's kind of hit the art scene, it's the most cost-effective costume in the world. <laughs> that part, yeah, that part as well. And be like, I'm, I'm actually not trying to be naked. This is just like what I can afford as an artist right now. Sorry. This is where I'm at, guys. <laughs> This is what's happening. I don't know if you noticed what happened to us, but like this is where I'm at. <laughs> I love that. Um, we're going to take a super quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more 
and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, and we are back. I'm still talking with the incredible Kitty about their journey through burlesque. And um, I think before we went to break, and if I'm wrong, I'll cut it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about what you want to see in the scene, but first, um, just off air a second ago, you were telling me about like this another, this another words aria, that'd be dope. Um, another evolution point that you had. Dope is so cute. <laughs> um, you, another evolution point that you had, um, more recently, which was going from like this idea of girly light femme to like woman and a different strength in femininity. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you've got me diving deep on this and I love it. You've got me really thinking. <laughs> on air therapy, that's what I do. <laughs> it's beautiful. So this would have been fringe, my first fringe back after living in Canada. So 2016, mm-hmm. I believe. And we did a show called Expose. And for this show, I wanted to do something different. And I'd never done something that was a bit more um, sexy or fetishy or anything like that. And I had this idea of um, like a latex cat kind of thing with this balloon pop where it was all filled with um, milk and fluid and that sort of thing. Yeah. Fun. Super fun. Messy. Stage hands would love you. (laughs) I was the best. Um, (laughs) I brought many tops and towels and... Yeah, do the whole act in a big tub. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Having been a stage kitten uh, or a stage hand before, I super appreciated the people who would come prepared Mm. and they'd have a washing basket with the towels, with the tarp, with the sticky tape and the scissors and would just be like, thank you, like, Mm -hmm. thanks for doing this. Um, So definitely made sure that I did that. Um, But the, the act itself was... Something that I'd had in the back of my mind for probably about a year or two and performing it was amazing Um, and it was a real turning point for me in a lot of ways and I got some great feedback on it and it was amazing to hear a perspective outside of how it felt for me at the time as well. So Mm. I had my inner thing going on and to see that through someone else's eyes was also um, pretty amazing. So they're um, at Sugar Blue, they're um, one of our photographer um, filmers mm-hmm. um, and just general friend of the Sugar Blue yeah. who had been around um, since it had started and used to film all of our shows and saw this show and said to me afterwards that um, they love the act and they said – they said, it's so different. They said, this is the first time that I've seen you do something that's um, really powerful and structured and sexy and in control and in a way sort of much more um, much more grown up because mm. my typical style with a lot of the comedy and being so whimsical is, is very playful and it was very girly and it was very silly and it was um, not so much about sort of being sexy and powerful and this was the first time that he said I've sort of seen you now as this different energy um on stage yeah Yeah. and it's really good um when you can embody all these different energies that you can kind of pick and choose which one you want to inhabit for a different act too rather than there being like the default of being like because I'm doing comedy 
there's no power and no control. Yeah, and absolutely, yeah, like I've seen so many comedy acts that are super powerful and super in control and have got this laser focus kind of thing Mm. to them, but that was just never my style beforehand. So, and it's interesting to think about because I talk about this with people in classes as well um, in regards to, for me, things like confidence and putting yourself out there is such a skill that you can learn and sexiness is a skill and I love that loving yourself and like love itself in all forms is a skill Mm. and what happens with um, burlesque for me and I'm sure for other people is that you have this space to create and explore and try and build those skills and flex those muscles so it's almost like a you know, chicken and egg sometimes because people go, oh, you've got to be confident to get up there and do that. And I'm like, you've got to get up there and do that to be confident. Yeah. Oh, like, I love that. Yes, it's like a, it's a big loop. Yeah. One yeah. feeds into the other. Yeah. Yeah, and you can, you can learn like when I started, now you've got me thinking all the way back, but when I started burlesque at the burlesque lounge on William Street, mm. um, that first class I didn't stand in front of the mirror. Like I put myself um, right on the side so I could see the teacher and I had a shadow on the wall. So I was like, oh, kind of like I think I'm doing it, but I, mm. I couldn't do it. Like I didn't want to watch myself yeah, doing it. And then as I did it more and I sort of felt it and I was like, oh, this is great. And I saw other people doing it and I was like, that looks amazing. And suddenly I started to see that in myself more. Yes, cool. So... Yeah, it was like, not that I was, um, not at that point that I was a super shy person, but I still had that in me. And like, I won't lie, I I still get really shy sometimes. Yeah. So I just think it's, it's that space to, to play and to learn and to, to live it, to feel more like that. Yes. And that's really important too, because especially as you were just explaining, like, it's not something that you innately just already have like sexiness isn't just something you have it's not just already there comedic timing isn't something you've just already got so it's not something you can look at other people and be like oh they've got something I don't and I guess I'll just never have confidence goodbye it's like a learned skill and ability that you need to continually plow energy into and when we get tired or when we are not having our best day it's so easy to default into the other position of just like "Mm, no because they're not talents their skills that you have to continually plow energy into and I really love that you said that because it can be so easy to watch a show and be like well I I guess I could never and I guess that's just goodbye (laughs) the end I just I think that I've found such a beautiful place through burlesque and um, beautiful people and found somewhere that I can um, change and grow I just want it for everyone Mm. and it's that little sort of like it's one of those things that just kind of gives you that little twinkle in your eye, sort of that little thing that just makes you look forward to something um, that yeah. I just want everyone to have that. <laughs> so when you won your title in um, Mixed Burlesque, it was with this brand new energy then because that was 2020 if I'm somewhere right in my timing there, I think. We did it in 2011 mm-hmm. and it was like baby kitty. Baby kitty. <laughs> First stages of the evolutionary process. Uh, and then when you came back to it, it was with you'd already been away to Canada 
Yeah. Had, did, do you think that had a big influence, your time there had a big influence on your Bel Air style? Huge influence, yeah. Tell me all about it. I want to know everything. So it was very different going over to Canada and performing because where I was before that, we would do um, like six shows a year mm-hmm. and every time you'd come up with a new act, you go new act, new act, new act, new act, new act and always creating, always got something else on the go um, and I do an act and I'd perform it maybe once or twice. Yeah. And what started happening, especially when I was in Canada, is I sort of had like three acts, three or four acts, and I would do them all the time. Ah, yeah. And so they evolved quite a lot. And it was just the nature of being over there because you, I had so much more access to different gigs. Mm. So I could go and do a whole bunch of festivals um, like Texas and New York and New Orleans yeah. and you don't need to have a different act every time. You can take that one act and you can do it at a bunch of different festivals because it's a new audience. New places, yeah. Yeah, so to be honest, when I was in Canada, I was really flogging that that dead horse for a while <laughs> and I hadn't created anything new for like three years. Right. Three or four years, yeah. which was so different for me and – when I came back, I um, took a little bit of time and I decided I wanted to kind of like jump back into the burlesque scene. So I actually signed up for Miss Burlesque, Mixed Burlesque in 2019. Yeah. And I, had, I used those two acts that I had been flogging. Yeah. And I just didn't think that I'd kind of hit a point where I was like, well, this is it. This is the best I can do. And oh. yeah, I couldn't, I, I almost had a block. Like I was like, I don't know where to go from here with any of these. And putting them on the stage that time and getting them out there um, really gave me just an unblocking energy kind of thing. Like mm. it was just like, yep, you've done it and you've put them out what's next? Like, yeah. And this isn't it. Like, you know, I was super proud of those acts and especially cause I'd worked on them so much. Yeah. They were probably, I'm sure very, very high quality cause they'd had so much time and energy invested into them over the last few years before. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I just needed something that let me see beyond that. Yeah. And just let me see like, you know, there's so much more out there. You've got some other stuff to create. So I entered uh mixed burlesque again for 2020. Yeah. And that's where I created um, two new acts, uh, which are now two of my favourite acts. Mm-hmm. So, it, that you know, that theme of levelling up is yeah. sometimes levelling up is getting over yourself on the yes. level before. It's, totally. you know, sometimes it's like, all right, like, you know, you got to move past this. You can't just think this is it, like you're done. Totally, thinking you've hit a ceiling when it's like, that's just another floor, let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's the whole ceiling thing. So... Yeah, and then I've had such great fun with those acts and since then I've been able to create um, again and create a lot more. So That's awesome. That's really good. So it's like the energy and attention that you were able to go back to Mixed Burlesque with, you almost wouldn't have had if everything else before hadn't happened. Like if you weren't there in 2011 and it hadn't been like such a high and such a low all mixed in one and if you hadn't had all of these amazing experiences then your 2020 show wouldn't have been the same at all. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think competitions can give you so much, but they can also, um, you gotta, you gotta know if it's going to be right for you. And I had such a hiatus between doing the competition Mm. because 
for me, it was so hard having something that I loved so much um, judged. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and it's so and, innately personal too. And for seeing that for other people as well. So I, I did have, um, yeah, I sort of had a little bit of a, a little bit of time away because the first one, like I said, um, was kind of like quite emotional for me. Yeah. So to be able to come back to it and see everything that, that, you know, it's helped me grow and how it's got me out there and how it's given me so much, so much out of being able to do that and like focus to look at who you are and how you present on stage, to think about your brand, to think about, you know, how acts are coming across with a, you know, within a set um, sort of formula. Got a lot out of it. Yeah. But I wouldn't have done that the first time round. No, of course not. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when you look at like the burlesque scene as a whole, um, as you were saying, like competitions can be incredibly empowering and amazing, but can also be incredibly emotional. Um, what would you recommend for people coming up in the scene? Um, because there's so many, so many incredible new dancers who I just see go like apprentice to mix burlesque to like what happens next from comp to comp to comp to comp because I think that's like the only pathway yeah. and you're in incredible proof that it doesn't need to be. And there's so many performers like that. I think, you know, I've, I've kind of sat in both, um, in both camps mm. in my life, but it, it, there's so many amazing performers and creators who aren't doing the comp thing because it doesn't serve them or they don't want to or they don't want to. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> if you, you only do it if you want to do it yeah. and if, you're, if you've got your reasons and what you want to get out of it. Um, but it's absolutely not something that you need to do. So yeah. I, I hate when people think that, oh, I have to do this and, you know, don't do it because you have to. I hate the word should. Mm. Fuck the word should. Fuck oh, word can should. we swear on that? Yeah, do whatever you want. Love it. Um, <laughs> I hate the word should. Should. In so many aspects of my life, I just mm. cannot stand it. So if you're ever saying to yourself, oh, I should do this or, oh, that's the next, you know, oh, I should be looking at competing in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Don't. Like what are you doing it for? Like if you're not doing something creative for you and for what you get out mm. of it, why? Why? You know what I mean? Why bother? <laughs> well, yeah, like, you know, it's your energy and – it's like a little bit of your soul, I, you know, I mm. sort of think. But if you're, not, if you're not doing it for that, why are you doing it? Yeah. I have nothing to say to that. You're so perfect. <laughs> that was incredible. Um, I think that's where we're going to leave it because I think that's a great question to leave people with, especially anybody who's a newbie out in, honestly, any artistic pursuit is something to consider before they step on any stage. Um, can you let everyone know where to find you on social media? Well, thank you so very much for having me. Um, this has been amazing and I was saying to you just before as well, your questions are so good. <laughs> thank you. You got me thinking. It's almost like you got me going back to, it's like I was back in 2010, like <laughs> get out of town. So, um, yeah, you can find me. I'm on Instagram and for anyone who runs like the marketing managers and things like that, you'll hate my tag. Uh, it's at world's tiniest kitty, <laughs> yep. which is a, a nickname that I will never give up. I, um, I love it. Well, um, it'll be below in the show notes too. People can just click on the link and see all of your incredible work. Um, yeah. And once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, you were brilliant. My you were brilliant. Thank you for having me. 
WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. I'm going to stop saying arm all the time too. <laughs> I cut that out. Oh, get out of yeah. town. You're going to make me sound so I articulate. Swear, sp- hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.